Hey, good to see you this morning. So uh, this is something we do annually on, you know, 4th of July, after 4th of July. Hands in the air. Go ahead. This is a finger check. check. Do you still have all 10? I don't know. In my neighborhood, somebody has to be at least hand one handless today. It's just, I, I have a little uh, tradition of going over to Hansel Road. If you're a Shanahan or, you know, it's kind of this little one of our last country roads left out here. And I park out there off the side of the road and watch fireworks all over the place. And it's amazing how over the last couple of years, I can't tell the difference between the municipal fireworks and the subdivision fireworks. They're both, they're, they're in a pretty good competition. So hope you enjoyed your day yesterday. Obviously, we still have people that are all over the country and some still coming on in. So anyway, we're going to enjoy a time of worship together today. We've been uh, in a summer talking about our souls and what our souls need. And uh, part of that conversation has been to give you some different exercises, things that you can do in order to nourish and refresh and challenge your soul. And so um, this past week, the, the, the exercise was, uh, you can sit, that's okay. It's cool. Good to see you. Glad you're here. Um, my son started it. It's all his fault. And you just went along. It's fantastic. So anyway, um, Screen control, you know, making sure whatever the screen is in your life, that it's not controlling you, you're controlling it. We've talked about solitude. We've talked about different things that we can do. Well, I want to tell you today's up front because you're going to get a chance to practice in this service. Uh, Today's is just the simple word song, S-O-N-G, that sometimes music, either the message of the music or the music itself, can really do some amazing things for our soul. It can rest our soul. It can challenge our soul. And so uh, we'll be talking about that theme throughout the morning and give you some ideas on on what you can do with that soul activity. But I I wanted to say it up front because we're going to be, like we always do, beginning with some music, beginning with some songs. And the songs aren't just, uh, you know, a couple things we do to kind of get you in the room and get you in in the mood for a, a message or something like that. It really is a chance for us to be able to express our hearts to God And here's the cool thing that happens with worshiping God. There's a boomerang effect that it comes back and we we get something out of it too. That's not the reason we do it, but it's amazing how when we focus on God, he truly does restore our souls. So we're starting today actually with a new song. And, And for the sake of your comfort, we'll let you during the new song stay seated and just kind of enjoy that. And then the second song, you know, and Shelley will say, stand up. And we'll respond to that and sing that song together. But let's just go ahead and really engage, maybe more than normal, engage with the music today. Hear the message, hear the tune, and allow it to restore your soul. Pray with me right now. Father God in heaven, how grateful we are that you've brought us into this place to freely worship you today. I pray that the music would engage us in a way at a deeper level, maybe than normal, and that in it we would hear the um, we would hear your promise to us happen literally in this place that you would restore our souls as we come to you to find rest in Jesus name. So again, just stay seated.
Close your eyes. Stand there with your eyes closed. And as you do, I want you to practice what we're talking about. So one of the ways we engage song as a soul exercise is to actually think about what we just sang, to think about those words. I can see the love in your eyes. Can you really? When you think of God the Father looking at you right now, what do you see? Do you see eyes that are condemning? Do you see eyes that are um, cold and distant? Do you see eyes that are a little embarrassed? What do you see? Sometimes what we tend to do is replace the eyes of God the Father with eyes of people we've seen in this world when they've given us those looks. But God the Father looks at you with incredibly loving eyes. Oh, he knows you. He knows me. He knows what we've done. He knows every part of us. But he loves us. Father, today we embrace your loving eyes. Thank you for looking on us in a way that just exudes your bursting heart for us. Help us, God, to be able to see beyond all the other messages, to to see and hear the love that you want to express to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So the lights are coming on for you so that you can do the next part, and that is to take your folder out. And as you do on the inside, there's a card. A couple things I need you to do with that. Get your name on it, first of all. If it's your first time, uh, give us whatever information you want and save it until the door. Don't put it in the offering. Save it. Bring it to me. We have a gift we want to give to you. But the other thing we want you to do, if you're planning on getting baptized on October, On August 2nd, you've said you plan on getting baptized at Four Rivers. We want you to participate in a a baptism seminar we're offering. You only have to do it once, but we're offering it three times. So we're offering it during both services next Sunday. So you can come to one and then go to the seminar during the other. And then we're also offering it the Tuesday afterward at 7 o'clock. So if you're planning on getting baptized, check off one of those times that works for you. If none of those works, would you write down none of these works? And that way we'll go ahead and get a time arranged for you. We just kind of want to walk you through, well, of course, the bigger picture of what baptism is and why we do it, but also some of the smaller picture stuff like we baptize people in a river and so some river shoes are nice and things like that. So we just want that experience to be as comfortable as possible for you and one that is truly a great celebration for you. So one of the two next Sunday or the following Tuesday, check one of those off and then we'll place that in the offering when we're done. So we're in this Summer on the Soul. We've, had, we've met our three speakers, and now we're going through round two, and they're bringing the second part of their message to us. Today we're going to be talking about grace, and Brian's going to be the one speaking. And uh, it's funny, when I think about Brian, Brian's the only speaker in the world uh, that I could say of this. Um, I was there the day he was born. You know, I, I was there that moment. It was an incredible moment when he was born. We waited a long time. Uh, I think one thirty of the night before, there was the pronouncement, it's time. And we went to the hospital and we waited almost 12 hours, showed stubbornness even in coming out of the womb. He was just, he was tenacious in that way. And I remember, uh, boy, the moment he was born, I started to cry. 
And I went out, in fact, into the waiting room, and I'm crying, and they're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, what do you mean, what's wrong? The purpose for which I exist finally just happened. Here he is. Our child is born. So uh, he's, he's given us a fun life. Brian was, believe it or not, an avid, avid Cubs fan. I mean, he was just, there weren't too many people that were bigger Cub fans, which you wouldn't believe today the way he talks about the team from the South. Um, he was a huge Cubs fan, and I, I think it was, oh my goodness, sometime in high school that the Cubs finally did that one too many trades of a person he liked. He's like, that's it, I'm done, and he switched his allegiance uh, to the Cardinals. And, you know, from a standpoint of organization, it's a better organization. But then, but then things got funny, because, you know, even though he's a Cub fan, the thing he continued to have is an intense hatred for the Sox. I mean, it's just there. And so what does he do? He goes out, wanders the earth to find a wife, and uh, gets engaged to a woman who is just an absolute Sox fan. Huge Sox fan. Such a huge Sox fan, I wish I had the picture today. They're at the Cardinal game this past week, and they flash on the TV, and there are Brian and Riley, the Cardinal guy and the Sox lady, both sitting next to each other, and it's a hilarious picture. You know which team is losing and which team is winning. Brian looks sober as a judge, and Riley's just animated and talking away and having a great time. And uh, It's just, I don't know. It's been a lot of fun to have kids, I'll tell you what. It's been fun to grow with him. It's fun to watch him grow as a man who loves God and wants to follow hard after him. So he's going to be talking to us today about grace, and as he does, uh, we have a question for you. You're going to spend about 45 five seconds talking about this. When you think of grace, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Now, I understand we're in church and you want to go all theological, but if the theologians don't say their daughter, something's wrong, okay? Uh, this is, when you think of grace, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? You have 45 seconds and then a video will play. Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. What, dear? Grace! Grace! She passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace. The blessing! I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. That video kills me every single time I see it. But whenever someone says the word grace, if the first thing isn't grace thilo, uh, it's that video. Every single time. The blessing. Now, uh, over the last three weeks, we've been pounding away uh, truths about the soul. What is the soul? What is the struggle of the soul? And what does the soul need? All these questions that John, Jason, and I have tried to answer recently have been building up to these next three weeks. Well, we're going to zoom in on some active steps that our souls must partake in in order to be fully alive. The first of these that I'll try and tackle is the practice of grace. 
And no, again, by the practice of grace, we're not talking about Aunt Bethany's recitation of the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, surely, grace means a little more than Hollywood's uh, standard. So, when we look to the Bible, uh, the word grace is mentioned about 170 times during, um, throughout the chapters of the Bible, depending on your version. From these mentions, we can derive two different meanings of the word grace. The first is the most commonly acknowledged. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Before we look at this, we must acknowledge that grace is different from mercy. God shows us mercy by not casting the judgment on us that we deserve for our sins. God has given us grace through the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In this way, grace is like a birthday. The second you're born, you have a birthday. What did you do to earn it? Absolutely nothing. You were born. That's it. Each year, people come and have a party for you and give you gifts. Why? Well, because you managed not to blow yourself up with fireworks and you managed to live uh, for another year. Did, they, did you do anything to deserve it? No, not really, except, again, that you managed to live another year. God gives us spiritual grace for our spiritual birthdays. We did nothing to deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway. Last week, we emphasized how much the soul needs to be with God. In order to receive this gift of grace, the soul needs to be with God. If you come to the end of your human journey here on earth, and you've not come to a point where you've chosen to seek out God's gift of grace, then you're not going to receive it. It's on you and you alone to ensure that you help your soul come into maximum contact with God while you're still a living, breathing human being. John Orberg alludes, alludes to the with God life in his book, Soul Keeping. He says that the with God life is not a life of more religious activities or devotions or trying to be good. It is a life of inner peace and contentment for your soul with the maker and the manager of the universe. The without God life is the opposite. It is death. It will kill your soul. The other meaning that the Bible gives to grace has to do with God's sufficiency or fullness in the life of a believer. In his book, Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard writes, The greatest saints are not those who need less grace, but those who consume the most grace, who indeed are most in need of grace, those who are saturated by grace in every dimension of their being. Grace to them is like breath. Grace is like breath. It is wholly necessary to life. You know what else is wholly necessary to life? Rest. In order to have a full life, the soul needs rest. You may be thinking, yeah, that'd be nice. You know, we slept in a little bit, but we could still be sleeping, Brian, if you hadn't had us come to church. If you just canceled church, we'd still be sleeping, we'd have a rest. But the, soul, or the, the rest that I'm talking about today has nothing to do with sleep. It's rest for the soul, and that comes from God alone when we make the turn to live a life fully enveloped by God's grace. Life fully enveloped by God's grace finds a rhythm or a cycle that keeps it on track. Today we'll look at this cycle in four steps. The first is acceptance. Whether it's an athlete trying to impress a set of coaches, an upstart actor or actress, actress trying to sway a casting director to give them the role, or the modern-day hipster who claims to be too cool to need anyone's approval, everyone craves acceptance. 
Nowhere in my life has this been more apparent than Quad Day at the University of Illinois. The Quad at U of I is the center of student life. It's where all the main buildings are, at least for freshman classes. And it's, you'll find people out there all the time studying, sleeping, slacklining, doing whatever hippie things they do out on the Quad. The Quad, um, the, the weekend before classes start, is the scene of Quad Day. Now, on Quad Day, the parents are gone, dorms are decorated, and not a freshman on campus has ignored their alarm clock yet. All right? Uh, but on Quad Day, all the thousands of students, they, they push into the Quad, and you go to try and find groups that, you know, you'd like, of groups of people that you'd like to hang out with. Well, um, when you look at Quad Day, there's a lot of choices that you can, or a lot of choices of groups that you can hop into. There are fraternities, sororities, Illini Pride, Orange Crush, college Republicans, college Democrats, college I don't give a craps, <laughs> Illini Pullers, Illini Pushers, Illini In Motion, Illini Promotions. ROTC, Student Senate, Live Action Role Playing, Skydiving, Pile Driving, Bring the Chief Back, Keep the Chief Away. The list goes on and on. Thousands and thousands of students come flooding to find these groups of people that they can fit into, where they can find a sense of acceptance. There are over 1,100 organizations on the registered student organization website that come out to Quad Day, most of which come out to Quad Day. And if on the website, it actually says if you don't find one that suits your interests or works in your hobby or maybe it doesn't exist, you can make one. If you were ejected by the group that you wanted to join, make another. No problem. We'll get it started up. Go through the paperwork and you can start your very own organization. See, everyone seeks acceptance. If you looked at Quad on Quad Day, you'd see hundreds and thousands of lost little freshmen trying to find that one little niche. We all seek acceptance. But with the multitude of choices and the imperfection of human nature, this search fatigues the soul. What so many fail to realize is that they've already been accepted. We often talk about how we're God's children. That's so significant. We're not orphans. God isn't a deadbeat dad. He's an all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving dad. He's ready and willing to help us through life. We just have to ask. Why? Because God accepted us. Long before you were even born, God accepted you. And again, it's an acceptance that you cannot earn. It's an acceptance that God has just given you through grace. No matter how far away we feel from God by the things that we do, God is always right there, like a loving, caring father. Like the father of the prodigal son looking on the horizon, he's waiting for us to come over and come find rest in his arms. Jesus was, in, was rejected by an incredible amount of people while he was on earth. Yet that did not rob his joy. Why? Because he knew one simple truth. You are accepted by God, and God's acceptance is stronger than any amount of human rejection that you could possibly find on this earth. I could stop right there this morning. Period, done, boom, go home, munch on that for a while, and find rest in the fact that you're accepted by the Almighty God. But that'd be doing you a disservice. You need at least 15, 20 more minutes, right? So we'll keep going. Once we acknowledge that we are accepted by God, the next phase in the cycle is sustenance. 
I spent the whole morning last week talking about what the soul needs. And I could have kept going because, like I said, the soul is constantly in need. Because of that, the soul needs continual replenishing from the sustaining grace of God. This past Wednesday, as my dad pointed out, I got to spend some time at a ball game with my beautiful yet sorely mistaken White Sox, White Sox fan fiancé, Riley. Uh, we got to spend some time during the day down there. We got Pappy's Barbecue. If you've never been there, you need to go. It's amazing. Uh, but we got to spend an awesome day together, uh, just the two of us in St. Louis. And then we ended up meeting some college friends uh, of ours at the ball game. So, and there was a rain delay. So we had, the game didn't start until about 10, 15. I mean, so it was a long time, all right? As we're sitting together, of course, all these stories from college start pouring out. As the rain is literally blinding, one of the stories that came up was of how uh, over a course of two days while we were in school, there were these little bugs about the size of a gnat called a soybean aphid that swarmed the entire campus. It's 80 degrees outside and people are going to class in full like snow gear because these little soybean aphids literally would, you, you couldn't see 30 feet in front of your face. These things were disgusting. And when they landed on you, they died. So you'd have people, again, in jeans, hoodie, uh, surgical masks. I even saw some people wearing swimming goggles, going to class. The, nobody rode bikes during this time because it was just a disaster. But So there's, you'd get to class, and people would open the door, slam it real quick so the bugs didn't come in. And then everyone did one nice, and all the bugs fell off. Who's hungry? <laughs> well, again, that story came up, but so did another. A story of one of our... I lived in farmhouse fraternity. And uh, before you get any visions of Animal House in your head, farmhouse is a totally different fraternity. And I know every fraternity says that, but farmhouse is truly different. They don't have Greek letters because it's a fraternity meant for country bumpkins who have trouble adjusting to the big city life of college. Hopefully, none of them are listening today as I mock our... No, I'm kidding. Um, the, only, yeah, the only thing that's the same is that there's 60 guys living under one roof. Well, one of our freshmen, uh, when I was a, senior, a junior, um, his, his name was Matt Bickett. And Matt was a mechanical engineer. So you'd think a mechanical engineer at the University of Illinois is a brainiac, right? Well, Matt had a mess up one day. See, living in farmhouse, most of the guys drive these huge honking diesel trucks, all right? The bigger, the better, the better, all right? And uh, so this kid, Matt, he had a great truck, awesome truck and, uh, he, that he had from his family's farm. And he, he was running low on gas, so he decided to shoot down the road to Circle K, fill up on gas. Well, when he showed up at Circle K, he was blown away because diesel gas was like an, at an all-time low in terms of cost. So he panics. He, thinking it's a mistake, swipes the card, throws the gas in his truck, and starts filling as fast as he can before the manager can come out and say, whoa, 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 mistake. No, you need to pay more because, no, someone screwed up the system. Well, Matt pulls away from the gas station, and less than a half mile down the road, we only lived about a mile from the gas station, so he's about halfway home, and his diesel truck starts to shake. Then his diesel truck starts to smoke, and his diesel truck seizes up. He gets off to the side of the road. Truck dies. Still smoking like crazy. Calls his dad and, 
hey, Dad, uh, truck's having problems. What? Do you have any experience? Like, it, it started shaking, it started smoking. What? Now I, I can't even get it to turn on. First question his dad asks, what kind of gasoline did you put in the car, son? Diesel, I'm not an idiot, Dad. Well, hangs up the phone and goes to look at his receipt. He had put E85 in his diesel truck. Needless to say, Matt didn't make the football game that week. He was in a little bit of trouble. That mix of 85% ethanol and 15% gas did not do his truck any favors. I can still hear his dad on the other end of the line when he was sitting in the living room talking. Oh, it was not a, not a happy day for Matt. When we feed our souls things that it can't run on, our soul needs God. When we feed it things that it can't run on, it dries up and burns out just like his truck. There are certain practices we can partake in to ensure that this doesn't happen. And we can turn to the life of Jesus for his example. Jesus prayed. He had a close circle of friends to do life with. He engaged in regular corporate worship at the synagogue. He relentlessly studied scripture. He enjoyed God's creation. He took long walks. And he welcomed little children by his side. While he did a great deal more, Jesus spent his life focusing on being sustained by the grace of God. Jesus was energized and joyful as a result of God's grace. And that's no coincidence. Paul says in several of his letters, May God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Grace and peace go hand in hand. Because our souls were designed to run on God, they can only experience rest when they rely on the strength and sufficiency of God. So up to this point, we've been accepted by God. We've been given sustaining grace for our lives. And through this, we find the next part in our cycle, significance. When you meet someone new, you often introduce yourself and start talking about things that you consider to be significant. Hi, I'm Brian. I'm a Sagittarius. I enjoy long walks on the beach. I'm an avid baseball fan. And when it comes to reading the book or watching the movie based on the book, I choose the movie 20 times out of 10. (laughs) Oftentimes, we claim our significance from the things we do or the hobbies we have or the people we hang out with and the level of performance that we're able to attain. Most commonly, this relates to work. The song American Dream by Casting Crowns spells the tale of a dad who works through the day and night so that his family can have the best thing, or the best, all the best things that America has to offer. As the song goes on, the dad's life begins to crumble. As he works harder, he grows more and more distant from his family, pushing them away, making them feel wholly insignificant, while continuing to live under the delusion that if he just had a little more time, if he just could work a little longer, he'd get that promotion and everything would be done. His family's life would be set. Just get through this next stage. We were called to make a difference beyond ourselves. But in modern day America, making a difference beyond ourselves means skipping church to squeeze in an extra athletic event, not eating GMOs, driving electric cars, and breaking for whales. Our country has selective morality, choosing to ignore the significance that we receive from God and instead trying to make it for ourselves. We need to take a different approach in finding our significance. Watch this video with me as John Orberg tells a story of how we can do so. What Jesus understood about the cycle of grace is significance is always a gift. One time he'd sent his disciples out on a mission and they came back to report what they'd done. Now imagine being one of Jesus' closest followers, 
given the privilege of sharing his message. You just completed a big assignment, went well. You are so psyched about what your next mission is going to be. It's not like there isn't a lot of work to be done. But we're told that so many needy people came to Jesus, according to the Bible, he didn't have a chance to eat. So what assignment does he give to his followers? What he says is, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Instead of rushing off to the next big thing to do, Jesus got everybody into a boat and they went off to what's called a solitary place. But what about the task saving the world? What about all the sick people that need to get healed? See, Jesus knew the power of a rested soul and he wanted that gift to belong to his disciples. We seem sometimes to spend most of our lives trying to draw crowds and please crowds and impress crowds. Jesus seemed to spend so much of his time getting away from crowds. Because rested soul is the secret to what Jesus called the easy yoke. Significance is the gift that gives a well-rested soul. I repeated three times. All I really wanted was you. All I really wanted was you. All I really wanted was you. This is how we need to feel about God. Your significance is about who you are before what you do. And first and foremost, you are an accepted and loved child of God. We're better equipped to help the world when our souls are rested. And rest comes through finding our significance in God's grace. The final phase of our cycle is achievement. What have you achieved in your life? I was a part of a Minooka High School baseball team that won 29 games in a row. Pretty cool, right? I graduated from the University of Illinois with no debt. Pretty awesome if I do say so myself. But again, I'm not here to talk about these kinds of accomplishments. These achievements, if we focus on them, it's going to leave our souls feeling empty and dried up. When I say achievement, I want you to think bear fruit. For this is crucial for the soul. John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, we can achieve nothing. Apart from God, we cannot bear any fruit. God has given it to us in black and white. When we try and do it on our own, when we try and find our own achievements, we're like Charlie in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory after he steals the fizzy lifting drinks. The lifetime supply of chocolate for Charlie. When does he get it? He doesn't. Why not? Because he broke the rules. What rules? We didn't see any rules, did we, Charlie? Wrong, sir. Wrong. Under Section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses herein and herein contained, etc., etc., fax mentis incendium gloria culpum, etc., etc., memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized, so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Easy, guy. We need to take that seriously. We get nothing out of this life when we break God's rules. 
When we try to ignore God and focus on what we can achieve ourselves, our souls grow weary, fatigued, and become useless. God's grace is achievement enough. If you go about this the wrong way, you end up with a cycle of works rather than a cycle of grace. My fiance Riley is a third grade teacher, and this cycle of works is easy to understand when you look at it from the student-teacher relationship. When one of Riley's students does well in class, she praises them and gives them rewards, making them feel significant, empowered to carry on, and then accepted. But what if one of her students fails to live up to their initial goal? Well, then they're stuck on trying to reach achievement. They begin to feel angry, disappointed, ashamed, embarrassed. And again, they get stuck on that first cycle of achievement. They can never reach significant sustenance or acceptance because they can't get past that first cog in the wheel. Remember the scene we watched a little while ago with Aunt Bethany? She's somewhere in left field out in her own little world when she's asked to say grace and she spouts off the Pledge of Allegiance. Aunt Bethany got grace all wrong. I urge you today to get grace right. Our souls will never be content until we find ease and delight that God has allowed your soul to attain if you accept his acceptance, rely on his sustenance, and look no further for God's grace for your significance and achievement. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for caring enough about us that you accept us, you sustain us, you give us significance, and you help us to achieve great things. God, don't, us, don't allow us to go about this day or this week, this month, this year, this life, without us realizing just how much you've done for us. God, we know that you're there waiting for us with open arms. And I pray that everyone here be fully enveloped by your grace. Help us to better understand grace, and dig deep into it, and get it all figured out. I pray this on your name today. Amen. Please join me in thanking Brian for his teaching today. Thanks so much. So your practice for the week is song. And um, I want to talk a little bit about the way that worked for me recently. Our... Um, Family was gone to Green Lake, so I was alone doing all kinds of projects around the house. And it's funny, when you're not with other people, um, I think people, well, people have a way of being reflectors for us, right? We, we have an idea of how we're doing based on people around us talking to us. You know, when I wake up and I'm going through the day and Kim says, wow, you're really crabby today. I realize I'm crabby. I didn't know I was crabby until she told me I'm crabby, right? Or you seem in a good mood. What, what's going on? And you kind of, well, I didn't realize I was in a really good mood. So as that week went on and, you know, junk was flying from the news and everything else, what I didn't realize is that there was just this kind of low broil ugh going on in my spirit. I just was feeling pretty lousy. 
I didn't really have anybody in my life that was kind of reflecting it at that point. I didn't know what was going on in me. And, and so I'm, I'm just kind of in this state. And I, I was looking at uh, some things someone posted. My, my sister-in-law posted. She posted a song. It was a song I was familiar with, David Crowder's song, and, and one that we sing around here. And, and yet when I saw the image, it looked different than normal. And so I don't necessarily sit and watch songs uh, on the Internet, but I'm like, let's click this. And I sat there, and for the next 4 minutes and 50 seconds, I listened to a song that I knew. And I listened to the words. And I listened to the music. The music In the background, there's a cello playing. Uh, if you were to look at what my soul looks like, my soul is a cello. My, that, that, that kind of music, just that, you can, that's what's going on inside of me. And I'm listening to this. I'm not kidding. By the end of those five minutes, my heart was in a different place. It was in a different place. Music really is a gift from God that speaks a message that gives us a message even through the music itself. And so this morning, we're going to have that song playing, that video playing, as we partake in communion. And we're going to actually uh, act out, so to speak, what the song says. The song is an invitation to the table. It's an invitation to the table of God's grace. And so today, instead of sitting and receiving communion... You can go one of the four stations around the room. There's one at the front here, one at the back, one at the back middle, and one at the front up here. Come to one of those four stations, take a, a piece of bread, a dip it into the juice, and partake of the grace of God as you listen to these words. We have your chairs spaced a little bit wider than normal, so you should be able to get up and get around without having to bump into anybody. The song lasts just short of five minutes, so you have some time uh, to reflect, to listen to let this song sink into your soul and the reality that there's a Father in heaven who's looking at you with loving eyes and his loving eyes and his loving heart gave us the sacrifice of his son Jesus so that we could have eternal life. It was on the night that the Lord was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it. And when he gave thanks, he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat of it, remember me. And then in that same meal, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death until I return. Think about it. Every time we take communion, it's an act of evangelism. Every time we take communion, we're telling other people what Jesus did for us. So in these next few moments, let this song sing into your soul. Let it take you where God will take you. And when you're ready, Go to one of the four stations and partake of communion. The first person there will obviously need to move the paper towel to the side so you can go ahead and have the bread.
Some artists have a way of taking words and working them like a, a brush and a painting. Come sit at the table, come taste the grace. Have you ever thought of tasting grace? Tasting the grace of God. He invited us to his table. He said, my son has died for you so that you can have eternal life. Come enjoy the grace I'm offering you. Let's talk to God again. Father in heaven. We are grateful, ever so grateful, that you've extended to us your love 
that you've extended to us your grace. We look at ourselves and try to figure out what we can do to earn or deserve it. And in doing so, we contradict the very definition of the word. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. It's not about doing. It's about being. It's about just being, being in your presence and and being who you want us to be. And so today, God, I pray that we will uh, reach out our hands more often, receive grace more freely, come as we are and sit at the table and taste the grace that you offer us through Jesus. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen. Our servers are going to come now and receive the offering. And while they do, make sure you place your card in there, especially if your card has something on it about the the baptism seminar. We need those from you. And again, if it's your first time, hold on to your card, bring it to the door, and and we have a gift that we want to give you. A few things to share with you, some of them about students. As you're leaving today, you'll notice... In, in, the, in the noise break here, between this set of doors and the next, there's a table there. And on that table, there are some flyers for Omega. Omega is an opportunity coming up for high schoolers. Green Lake is in the rearview mirror. And so now we start looking at the next event coming up for them. So make sure you get one of those and get signed up for that as soon as you can. You might also notice as you walk through that noise break area, there's a little box on the wall. We just put that up recently. Great place. If you've got a registration that you need to hand to somebody, you're like, what should I do with this? Put it in that box. Maybe someday you forget to put in your offering. You can put it in that box. You know, whatever. If there's something that you're supposed to hand off to somebody, you you can go ahead and put that there. and We'll make sure that it gets to the right person. So I want you to be aware of that too. A couple other things for students. Uh, There's no high school today. And then junior high on Wednesday, they're going to be meeting here from 5 to 9. So that's this coming Wednesday for them. There is one uh, goof on your, on your folder today. The second announcement makes reference to a potluck for 50-plus uh, age people. This Tuesday, the, um, the email is actually wrong. So you see the email there. It should say amcfishersofmen at gmail.com. All right, so if, if you're planning on registering for that, go ahead and instead send your email to amcfishersofmen at gmail.com. And make sure you read the rest of the announcements there today and, and you're in touch with everything that's going on. So we have talked throughout the service today about uh, our, our soul-keeping uh, uh, practice for this coming week. And this coming week, it's that word, song. So I want you to go ahead and engage in a song. I know this is one of those that, and this may be true of all the practices that we've taken on. For some people, one of them that we talk about is really going to resonate. I mean, you don't have to tell me to go grab solitude. I love solitude. And, and when somebody says, go take some time by yourself, I'm there. Uh, music is one of those that some people are going to go, oh my goodness, my, my life is a soundtrack. I've always got music going. And for someone else, you're kind of like, you know, you'd love church if they just skip that music part. Why don't we just get to the other stuff? And, and you don't understand. A person that's really into music, you're like, what's going on there? So I want to challenge those of you that, that aren't there with music. Try to find a song this week that speaks to what's going on in your soul. I'm reminded in uh, 1 Samuel 16, when, when Saul is being tormented by an evil spirit, uh, what does David do? He pulls out his harp and he plays, and it soothes the soul of Saul. So God uses this tool as one of the many ways that he draws us into closeness with himself. We're going to sing a song here at the end that is a beautiful message. It's one that's really been part of of our journey getting into the building and as we've moved on from there. So uh, talking about being overwhelmed with God, 
overwhelmed with who he is, overwhelmed with what he does. So sometimes it's listening and receiving, and sometimes it's an expression that we just cry out to God, this is who you are and what you mean to me. So engage in the, in the music this, as we close today wholeheartedly. Sing those words, mean those words, own the words. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing. Now, Father in heaven, we've given you a financial offering, but God, we want to give you another offering. We want to give you the offering of our hearts. We want to give you the offering of our words. Hear what we lift up to you right now. Hear how overwhelmed our hearts are to know you and to receive from you your gracious grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you can't tell, I'm one of those people that gets overwhelmed when listening to worship music. Um, So I will be posting throughout the week just different songs for you guys to listen to um, as the soul exercise. So have a great week and be looking for those posts.